Welcome to the Bring Her Hope podcast. I'm Bethany Bravery, and I am thrilled that you are here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend on the podcast to share not only the story that God is writing for her, but the story God is redeeming in her life. I can't wait for you to meet each and every one of these amazing women who I know will inspire you to also live out the story that God's calling you to, and to give you hope that He will be faithful to redeem your story as well. My guest today is singer, songwriter, and author, Laura Story. Laura is also a wife and a mom to four children and is a recent graduate with her doctorate in worship studies. Laura and her husband, Martin, faced a brain tumor, infertility, and a son's birth defect. She realized that she had been looking for a happiness that comes from circumstances rather than a deeper joy that comes from God. Again and again, Laura had to surrender her vision for her life so she could embrace God's vision. And then again and again, she learned that even in the midst of shattered dreams, God's plan brought greater joy than she could have ever imagined. Thanks for coming on the show, Laura. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to have me. Hey, friends. So with Bring Her Hope, each episode is a story of God's redemption. And I know that Laura has an incredible story. So lean in, take notes, and go ahead and share, Laura. Oh, all that pressure now that <laughs> yeah. it's going to be good. <laughs> well, honestly, our story, man, it has been hard, but it has showcased the goodness of God, like so many stories that are on your podcast. And, and for us, my husband, Martin, and I, were, we were high school sweethearts. Mm-hmm. We've been married for 15 years. And within the first two years of our marriage, Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And that, it rocked us, partly because we were so young and we had you know this, this idea of how perfect our first you know, few years were going to be. But also, I think... What we thought initially was, okay, this is going to be a little detour. Then we'll get back to the wonderful plan that we mm. had you know, concocted for our lives that we just needed God to sign off on. We pretty quickly realized um, not only was it not going to get back to that plan, yeah. but that God is, is more about bringing us to a place of saying, not my will, but yours mm-hmm. be done. Not my great plan, mm-hmm. but yours be done. And what that looked like for us was what we thought was going to be five days spent at Emory University Hospital for Martin's recovery from surgery ended up being about three months. Mm. And that was really a tough time because part of those, some of those nights, we were not sure whether Martin would wake up Mm. from sleep because his brain trauma had been, uh, been so extreme. And Finally, when we were leaving the hospital after three months, we were elated to be finally leaving. But it was a that harsh reality that we faced because Martin wasn't better. Yeah, I think that we thought, okay, we're going to go get the tumor removed, and he's going to be better. Mm. And Martin still lives with a vision deficit and a memory deficit, which make life a challenge for both him and for our family. Yeah. What would you say you dealt with in those in those moments, this kind of reality versus expectation as far as you were, I'm sure, on your knees praying God for healing, but at the same time being aware that this was your new reality? How did you handle that as a couple? Yeah, we did not handle it very well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that we're being real here. That's good. I, I can be pretty real about this. Yeah. Um, I had just taken a job at a church as a worship leader. Mm. So I was, you know, the professional How Great Is Our God singer back yes. then. And, and so when all of this happened and it was honestly a, a time of major disappointment 
I wasn't necessarily necessarily acknowledging that. Mm. Like I, I think as a Christian, I had bought into <laughs> the the lie that that my posture receiving, you know, this kind of um, diagnosis or the fact that things were still so hard so many months after the surgery, I remember just kind of having this, okay, well, God is good and mm-hmm. I'm fine and I'm just going to white knuckle through it. I don't, I don't really know what I thought, but I remember being three, four, five years out and feeling like I'd never really grieved mm-hmm. what had happened. Yeah. I think a lot of it was that... Everyone else was saying to me, oh, aren't you You're so thankful that he's mm. still alive? Or my husband went through that and he passed away. I'm so thankful that you have your husband. And so it felt like it would be, you know, a lack of gratitude to show mm. any, any disappointment with Martin's state. Because uh, you know, he lives with a vision deficit and a memory deficit. Yeah. And it really, it's a challenge for him. It's a challenge for me. But I think we were just kind of pretending like everything was okay for a while. And when we got to a point of kind of hitting rock bottom, uh, we we finally were honest with a couple of people at our church. Mm. One, one pastor and one another lady was a wife of a pastor at our church, basically saying, hey, I know that we, like, we believe that God works all things together for good. Mm-hmm. We believe that he is faithful in the midst of this. But we are still really struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it was we were trying to go through it alone. Yeah. Like not only were we not talking about the disappointment we were feeling, but we also no one really knew what life looked like mm. with Martin's disability. Yeah. And we began to talk to people about it. And I think part of it was thinking, well, if people really knew how different life looks for us, then they wouldn't accept us, wouldn't want to be our friends, wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, or they'd feel sorry for us. Right. We just had, we didn't want, we didn't want to be a burden on anyone. And so we just weren't really talking about um, how much the disability was hurting us. Mm-hmm. And once we came to a place of being more honest, um, getting more help, um, both of us getting, you know, getting some fantastic counseling and people that said, Hey, you know that you went through something really traumatic mm. and it's okay acknowledging it. Yeah. yeah, for you to lament and mourn what was lost um and that was a that was a good thing. And <laughs> interesting interestingly enough, one of those things that we really came to the point of grieving um, was that because of Martin's disabilities, we could not fathom having children. Oh. And we thought that, man, we can't figure out both medically and just logistically. We thought, oh, that would just we would be terrible parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that was one of those dreams that God ended up giving back Mm. and really brought us to a place of surrendering it and saying, you know, if you don't want us, this isn't the road that we're supposed to walk, then we can be okay with that. And we'll find other ways to serve. We'll find other kids to love on. And and then uh, we were able to get pregnant with Josie. And then we had twins two years later. (laughs) And then we had another. And we we have these four amazing kids. And and even that, though, I, I have to be careful that people don't, when I talk about that, that people don't hear, you know, if you, because you'll hear some people Mm. say, if you can come to a place of, surrendering something that's when the lord will give it mm. to you and it's like no that's that right. sounds like a a uh, a terrible game mm. god would be playing with us that's mm-hmm. that's not really 
the case. We come to the point of surrendering everything in our lives because we have to truly believe that God knows best whether we should have it or mm-hmm. not. It's true. And for us, we have surrendered Martin's health. And even though we desire complete healing, mm-hmm. God hasn't given it to us yet. Yeah. And we are learning to be content in that. Mm-hmm. And we surrendered having kids and, and God did give us lots of crazy, unruly kids. Mm-hmm. And that's a blessing too. Awesome. So later on in your story, you mentioned you had four kids. There was a there was an unexpected blessing, I would say, even and gift, um, but something that you experienced that rocked your guys' world with your sons. So oh, yes. share with that. Yeah. So with, uh, you know, I, I told you about Martin's health and then we had Josie and the boys and all super healthy kids, mm-hmm. even the twins. I was enormous when mm-hmm. I was pregnant. With the twins. <laughs> I can't even tell you. I was so big and uh, the twins ended up being, and people had told me horror stories about you know, just go ahead and know that as mm-hmm. soon as you have twins, they'll go straight to the NICU because they'll be underweight and mm-hmm. they'll have developmental issues and things like that. And that wasn't our experience at all. We had one was six, five and one was oh six, three. Goodness. And yeah, they were just and if you had seen me, you would understand. Like, <laughs> I really was big as a house. It was hilarious. So when it came to Timothy, I just kind of thought, you know, we have healthy kids. That's mm. just who we are. So uh, I was at my 37 week ultrasound and I was two weeks into writing this book mm. about surrender and about being okay with not being in control. Mm. And I'm sitting there, um, lying there on that table and the ultrasound tech says, Oh, look up at the screen. There's your cute little boy's face. Mm. And we both looked at the screen and immediately we could both tell that something was wrong. Mm. And I thought, huh, that doesn't that doesn't look right. Mm. And she kind of awkwardly said, I'm, I'm going to call the doctor. Mm. In. And he came in and and told me, yeah, it looks like your baby's going to be born with cleft lip. Mm. And I remember sitting there crying mm. and I remember feeling stupid for crying because mm. <laughs> I'm thinking this is not cancer. This yeah. is not cystic fibrosis like this mm-hmm. is not something major um but again i'm sitting there in that situation minimizing minimizing something that at at that moment was really major in my life yeah and i remember it being this very painful reminder that ultimately i can do x y and z during my pregnancy and it Mm -hmm. doesn't promise me this super healthy kid. I remember thinking about, oh, what's, what's it going to look like on that um, nursery bulletin Mm -hmm. board where they talk, they put up the pictures of all the new babies Mm -hmm. and mine's the one with the cleft lip. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds vain, but I just thought, how am I going to react to that? Or how am I going to react when I'm walking through the grocery store and someone goes, oh, let me see that cute little baby. And Mm -hmm. then they look into the you know into the stroller and go <gasps> and then I have to punch them because mm, exactly you know, <laughs> well why wouldn't we punch them I work at a church it's just gonna be ugly yeah. you know yeah. but I I remember uh just feeling very much out of control mm. but really what it was was a reminder that I have very little control mm. over much of my life mm-hmm. and I kind of live as if I have more control than I actually do. Mm-hmm. And it really brought me to a place of saying, okay, God, 
I'm going to need to trust you with mm-hmm. this. I'm going to need to trust you because I don't, I don't know how to do cleft lip. And at the time, we actually we thought it was cleft palate as mm-hmm. well. So we were mm-hmm. nervous about all sorts of um, nutritional issues. Mm-hmm. And and the doctor even said, you know, cleft lip can be a sign of other things mm-hmm. that could be wrong with mm-hmm. the baby that we will not know prior mm-hmm. to him being born. Yeah. And so I literally just sat there for the next three weeks learning all over again what it means to trust mm. and be- having to believe that God has got this because there was literally nothing I could do. Yeah. Uh, Laura, I my daughter, she's 16 now, but she was born with a cleft palate. So when no I read way. that part of your story, um, we didn't know either until actually till she was born because, the you know, the lip. It, it showed nothing because there was no lip, but mm-hmm. um, I remember wrestling through those things and I can be a little bit of a control freak. And so the whole unknown of, oh my goodness, what does yeah. this look like? And doctors coming in and talking about how, you know, the baby won't be able to suck out of a bottle and won't be able to nurse and do those kinds of things. I remember wrestling with that. How did you, um, how did you guys as a couple wrestle in that, you know, when the days after he was born and what did that look like for your family and how did you see God work in beautiful ways in that? Well, one of the things was, is we thought he would have cleft palate. Mm. And so when he was born, and so I'm picturing this emaciated baby mm-hmm. who is just going to wither away unless we fight really hard mm-hmm. to keep him, yeah. you know, alive. And first of all, he was 10 pounds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Actually, he was nine pounds, eight ounces. So he was almost 10 pounds. And uh, I thought, holy cow, that's a big, I remember looking, I'm going, he looks kind of big. Uh-huh. But the doctor immediately came over, you know, after they checked him out and everything. And I, I could see, you know, his little cleft lip, mm-hmm. which you know, I also wondered, I wondered how I would respond. Mm. Like, I know that every child is precious and I know that created by God, you know, knit in my womb. All I know all of the Bible verses. But I thought, am I going to have trouble connecting Mm. to this child because his face looks different Mm. than what I thought it would? Mm. And I saw that little smile and I thought, holy Mm. cow, this is the cutest. Yes. Yes. (laughs) This is the cutest baby ever. Uh, But the doctor, after checking him out, came over and said, there must be something wrong with you know the the paperwork shows mm-hmm. that your baby has cleft palate and we actually had two different ultrasounds that showed the break in his palate wow and he said but it's not here wow and i said no no no. Th- there's no mistake there no. our god has done it amen he has done it so golly there's so m- there's so much i could tell you because a lot of that you know so my story it really is an interesting journey the Lord's taken me on because I have this husband who has a disability Mm -hmm. that I've prayed for over a decade now that God would heal and he hasn't done it. So when all of my friends Mm -hmm. and family came around and said, we're going to pray that the Lord heals Timothy's cleft palate, Mm -hmm. I was like, sure, go for Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) And I had tiny faith, Mm -hmm. tiny little faith. And then God did it. Yeah. God, he just did it. Yeah. And so it was a reminder of, first of all, that God does heal. He still works in ways that he did, you know, in the scriptures. But it was also a reminder of, I don't get to say when Mm. he's going to heal Mm -hmm. and when he's going to sustain. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is that he will do one or the other. Mm -hmm. He will either heal and remove the circumstance or he will show his power 
just as clearly mm-hmm. by sustaining us in the midst of the hardship long term. Mm, I love that. What would you say to the gal that's struggling, praying for something she's been praying for years? What would you say to her today? I'd say just because God's not answering the way that you think that he should, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that he doesn't hear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that he doesn't hear your prayers. It doesn't mean that he doesn't weep alongside mm-hmm. of you. Amen. That's good. And it doesn't mean that he's not faithful. Yeah. It is hard understanding why God doesn't answer our prayers in the ways that we think he should mm-hmm. or in the time frame that we expect him to. Yeah. Or that he doesn't answer our prayer requests like he answers our neighbors or our friends mm-hmm. or our sister's prayer request. And ultimately, we just have to come to a place of saying, we just don't understand. Mm-hmm. And the scripture is pretty clear about the fact that his ways are higher yes. than ours. Yes. But honestly, um, I, I think about there's a verse in Romans that says, you know, how unsearchable are mm-hmm. your ways. And it is Paul coming to a place of saying, I don't understand. Yep. And I can't understand this side of heaven, but I'm going to worship you mm-hmm. anyway. And ultimately, I think if there was a God that I completely understood, mm. like if I just had his number that I yeah. <laughs> like I totally yeah. I understand you completely. I'm not sure whether I would be wooed to worship him mm. the way that I am. That's beautiful. In him being so much greater than what I can comprehend. Mm. That's that's awesome. How would you say your life has changed as a result of this surrender perspective? I hope I am a more patient person. Mm. I hope I am a less anxious person. Mm. And the fact that I wrote a book about it, uh, that just means that that's what God's teaching (laughs) me right now. It's not that, oh, I have written about these truths that I have mastered and now I'd like to impart them to you. It's not that at all. Mm -hmm. It's that this is what God knows that I need to be thinking on Mm -hmm. and practicing um, day in and day out because I'm talking about it. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about it all the time with, with the book and with speaking and and it's beginning to seep into my heart. Mm. A lot of it is looking back. A lot of it is thinking about what I want my kids to remember mm. about me. You know, was mom someone that said she had that said she had faith, but was constantly stressed mm, out all the time? Yeah. You know, is mom was mom someone that said that she trusted God? but never really had any evidence of turning to him Mm. in the midst of need. Mm. Because I I am someone, I love having a plan A, B, C, D. I am a planner. Me too, And I don't want uh, it to sound condemning for anyone who has a personality Mm -hmm. like that. God's given you those gifts. And it's, uh, the problem is when the planning actually becomes my God, Mm. when the planning becomes my safety net, rather than believing that God is my foundation. And mm-hmm. I think I think God intentionally allows our plans mm-hmm. to tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. To remind us yeah. that our foundation is not the plans we make. Mm-hmm. Our foundation is our risen Lord. Yeah. So looking back and thinking about those first few moments when you had just married Martin and you guys were happy and you hadn't received the notice, what would you do? Or was she around 20? What, what was the age of? Yeah, I, uh, I was 25. Okay, so what would you say to that 20-year-old Laura story self, Ted, today, if you could talk to her? That's a great question. I, I don't know. One of the things 
that I don't talk about this a ton, but one of the things that happened, it was maybe a week before Martin, we found out Martin Mm. had a brain tumor. I remember having this conversation with the Lord. It was just sitting on our couch in our little apartment Mm -hmm. with my Bible open. And I had a sense that my faith was growing stale. Mm. And I remember I had just taken a job at a church and everything was great. Mm-hmm. And I was this professional Christian, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I what I thought I was, but I remember praying the prayer, God, I want to go deeper. Mm. Do whatever it takes. And those are like those are such scary words. Yeah. So as this twenty something year old kid, all I knew was that I wanted God to take me deeper. Yeah. Um, to t- bring me to a place that I wasn't leaning on anything mm-hmm. except for him. Mm. And God's done that. So it, I don't know if there's anything that I would say, oh, I wish I was this mm-hmm. when I was that age. Um, because I, it's hard to say, you know, you hear people say, I wouldn't have changed anything. Mm-hmm. Well, there's probably a few things. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few things I probably would have changed. Yeah. But the way that the Lord has shown up mm. uh, and become so much more real to me mm-hmm. in the midst of our trials, I certainly would not, if that's what it takes, mm-hmm. then I would not change a thing. Mm, I love that. Laura, you have a brand new book called I Give Up the Secret Joy of a Surrendered Life. Why don't you share a little bit about that? Yes. I'm super excited. And it's great, girls. I've read it already. So oh, it's awesome. You're so Highlighted fun. notes, sticky notes, all the things. I, it doesn't <laughs> sound fun. Like <laughs> it's a book called I Give Up. Uh-huh. It, my my six-year-old, she was on a, on a radio trip with me uh, where we we're going and sharing about the book. And she goes, is that really the title? <laughs> she goes, like, I quit. And I was like, yeah, that's. She goes, oh, that's kind of a silly title. <laughs> and when I thought about it, it's like, well, yeah, it's, it does sound, it's kind of a downer. Mm-hmm. Like no one ever, you know, reads great war stories about the guy that surrendered, you right. know, and right. no one goes to their kid's soccer game and cheers for them. Miss the goal. Mm-hmm. Let the other kids right. score. You know, right. Because we are kind of, it's ingrained within us mm-hmm. at such a young age that we're supposed to achieve, that we're supposed to be self-sufficient and independent. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I meet so many people who are buckling mm-hmm. under that pressure, trying to live as these independent, self-sufficient beings, when what the scriptures actually call us to is dependence. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there's some level of letting go. There's yeah. some level of saying, you know, I give up. Mm-hmm. I give up trying to control my life. Mm-hmm. I give up trying to control the people in my life. Yeah. And I'm going to truly surrender the reins of my life to you. Mm-hmm. And rather than like a, a frustrating, depressing, mm-hmm. I give up, it's actually a beautiful sentiment. Mm-hmm. And it's a freeing thing because we don't have to be in control. And yeah. in our hands, the things in our life, when they're in our hands, they are in weak hands. Mm. They're in selfish hands. Uh, my hands fumble mm. often. Yeah. But when I surrender them to the Lord, they're in strong and capable hands and trustworthy hands. Mm. So beautiful. So where can our lady listeners get your book? Because oh, I know they're going to go yeah. out and get it. And we'll make sure anywhere, we put this all in the show notes. Anywhere you get books, Amazon, awesome. wherever. And uh, you can check out more information at laurastorymusic.com and you can follow us on social media and kind of see where we're going. It's uh, Someone told me <laughs> a while back, they said, I love following you on social media because you make me feel better about myself. <laughs> 
And I okay. thought, okay, I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. <laughs> We're going to go with that. I was like, did she elaborate or? <laughs> nope. No, but I'm like, man, I, yeah. I get, I think it's like the things I feed, I feed my kids yes. for dinner uh-huh. and like the things I send them to school wearing. I think people go, oh. I'm okay. I'm doing okay. She's real. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your transparency. Thank you for your willingness to share your heart. I know it's going to encourage tons of women. So go check out her book. Again, I give up the secret joy of a surrendered life. And thanks for joining us on the Bring Her Hope podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Friend, what a gift it was to have Laura's story on the Bring Her Hope podcast with us. I wanted to read a section of her book to you from her new book. It's called I Give Up. She says, Being a woman who is absolutely in control of her own life is not a goal I need to aspire to. That kind of woman might look appealing on TV, but I don't believe that's possible. Not really. In my best moments, I want to surrender my life to the one who loves and cares for me, who knows and does what is best and brings himself glory in the process because he deserves it. And I'm thinking you might want that too. Such wisdom, friends. Hey, if you are enjoying this podcast, then the best way to let us know that is by taking a moment to give us a review. By giving us a review, it allows us to keep bringing you more content each week. Also, if you love this week's podcast, take a screenshot of it and post it on Instagram and tag us, bringing her hope. We always love to know who's listening. Well, we can't wait to share another story of God's redemption next time. But until then, lovelies, keep living brave stories for Jesus.